Hello and welcome to the Rolling with Old Cars podcast brought to you by the editors at Old Cars Magazine and Old Cars Report Price Guide. You can check us out in print or visit us online at www.oldcarsweekly.com or through our Facebook and Twitter pages. Make sure to sign up for our free weekly e-newsletter. I'm Brian Ernest, the editorial director at Old Cars. And this week we are happy to be joined again by Angelo Van Bogart, our longtime editor of Old Cars, which recently celebrated 50 years in the publishing business. And Ange, it is January auction month. Sunshine, cactuses, warm temperatures in the desert. And then you and I look outside in the window right now. And what do we see? Snow. <laughs> lots and lots of snow, blowing snow, the bad kind of snow, if there is such thing as a good kind. Uh, yeah, we have some weather advisories. This is a good day to talk about trips to the desert and driving around with in Camaros with the top down. Uh, those are the good days. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we got a lot of auctions coming up this month. This is a biggie. You know, a lot of people think this is kind of sets the kind of just sets the trend for how the year is going to go. You know, it's kind of a barometer of the way things are going to go. We could talk about that a little bit, but here's a quick, quick rundown of the sales that we're going to be talking about here. Um, we got a biggie in Florida and then about seven of them that are pretty much annual events in, in Arizona in the, the biggie in, in uh, Florida. And it's huge. It might be the biggest sale that there is. That's Meekum Kissimmee, January 6th through the 16th. So by the time any folks hear us talking about it, this sale is already going to be in prog progress. So that's the biggie in Florida. And then in Arizona, we've got we got a whole long laundry list in no particular order here. We've got Barrett Jackson Scottsdale, uh, you know, obviously one of the flagship events that's out there. Um, that's January 22nd through the 30th. Worldwide auctioneers in Tempe. It's two-day sale, January 26th and 27th. All the big boys are out here. Bonham's has a one-day sale, um, January 27th. That's the same day. RM Sotheby's, another one of the really big boys in the auction industry, uh, one-day sale, January 27th. Russo and Steel, uh, fixture out there, long-running long sale. Their, their flagship event, January 27th through the 30th. Uh, mag auctions they're doing theirs in fort mcdowell again and then uh gooding and company geared geared online sale it's a little different this is the second year they've been doing it online they're they're gonna be the only one of the big auction houses that we know that's gonna be doing um an online event it's a it's a little bit different format but uh gooding always has a lot of good cars so let's back up and let's start in florida Ange. and that's the first one out of the box uh Meekum kind of does their own thing here they don't go out and join the crowd here they got a huge sale this has been up to I think 5,000 cars in the, in the past. I think they got 3,500 on the docket here. Uh, I mean, we could talk all day about the cars they got here, but there's one in particular that we both had our eye on, and that is the Hero How to Merc. Uh, this, oh. this thing came, this thing, this thing, we heard about it was going to be for sale last fall, didn't we? What? Give us, yeah. a, give us a nickel version of this. This car's got an amazing history, and uh, as far as we know, it hasn't really been up for auction before, right? No, never up for auction. Uh, this car was built in about 1952 for Bob Hirohata. It's not the first, but certainly one of the first um, Chop Mercury Coupes from the 49 to 51 generation. Um, and most people consider it to be the ultimate custom Mercury, the ultimate lead sled. Um, it's just everything on it's done right. Uh, it was built by the Barris brothers. Um, Von Dutch painted some of it. 
I mean, this thing's been touched by legends. It's only had about three owners. Um, the family um, that inherited it from their father who bought it in 1959, tried to sell it about a year ago on Instagram. Odd place to sell a car. Yeah, I remember when well, we saw that in the office, we were like, man, we, we had no idea this was going to be for sale. And it, it's not like they went to any of the big auction houses right out of the, that we knew of right out of the shoot. We we're just hearing rumors that it was for sale. And we were having readers tell us it, it was kind of an odd, it was kind of an odd way this came up, wasn't it? I, I thought so. Um, yeah, yeah. Somebody told me that it was for sale on Instagram and I went, what? And then I decided I'm finally going to have to get an Instagram account, which <laughs> so I did just for this car. That's how much I love it. I mean, I've driven hundreds of miles and hours to see this car in person on two different occasions. And I have just bought every model of it known to man and every magazine article and bought every photo of it I can find. I'm a huge fan of the Hero Honda Merc, and a lot of people are. So we're expecting this car um, to do some, some crazy money. I don't think a custom, um, an early custom, has ever hit the seven-figure mark. Um, Meekum's saying this is going to sell probably for one to one and a quarter million dollars. Um, to be honest, I think that is conservative. This is the ultimate custom Merc. You know, everybody loves a custom Merc. This car has been duplicated numerous times. It's inspired untold custom cars since the early 50s. So the last, what, six, 70 years, this car has been inspiring customs. I just talked to a reader on the phone yesterday who saw this car in the magazines back in the early 50s and went and customized his 52 Chevy and took a bunch of tricks from the Hirohata, like the Merc taillights and the uh, grill opening and the grill design from the Hero Hotter Merc and did that to his Chevy because this car inspired him back in 19 early 50s and he did it to his car back in 1955 he said so this car it, I mean this car is just it's legendary there's no other way to put it this is the ultimate post-war custom car definitely the ultimate custom Mercury and it hasn't been for sale since 1959 it's it's going to go crazy you know, it, it's just, it's going to be insane. I think the, the legend is that it once, it was actually a daily driver at one point for the owner and it once sold for only like 500 bucks. Wasn't that the story? They traded yeah. time for 500 bucks. Somebody, uh, somebody in that family's kicking themselves, but yeah. yeah the McNeils who bought it back in 1959, he paid 500 bucks for it and used it as a daily car for a few years. And by the mid sixties, he parked it in his garage and planned to, to restore it one day. And it sat there from the 60s. People thought it was long gone by the 70s, 80s. And it didn't come out, I think, until the very late 80s or early 90s did it finally come out that, hey, the car still exists. It's still in the hands of the man who bought it in 1959. So he he owned it for 50 years, 60 years. So until um, he passed away, and uh, I believe he passed away, and it was Jim McNeil who bought it in 1959. He kept it till he passed away in about 2018 or so, I believe. So what, and, what's it going to go for now? Tell me if you had to go out on a limb, if you had to give us your best, you know, as educated guess, wild stab, what do you, th what do you think it's going to go for? Well, knowing that Meekum Kissimmee has sold the bullet Mustang for right. well, like $3 million, a little more than $3 million. Um, I think this car could easily hit two, two and a half. I, I think that estimate is conservative for the car being at 1 million, but 
you know, what do I know? The thing is, is customs like this, a lot of these period customs just didn't survive. And so we don't really have a good comparison to it. Um, the Sam Barris Merc did survive. It was the, the Mercury Coupe that the Barris brothers chopped uh, before this one from that 49 to 51 generation. And, um, you know, that's a wonderful car. It's been restored. It still exists. Uh, it has not publicly traded. And so we don't even have it uh, sold anyway publicly so that we don't know what it's sold for. So I, you know, Meekum did the best they could and threw a dart at the wall. But, you know, I tell you what, Brian, I've been playing the lottery since I knew this car came up for sale just in case. And if it were me and I had $10 million to spend on cars, I would easily give 3 million bucks of it of my budget to this car. It didn't happen though. So nobody's going to be bidding against me <laughs> or I won't be bidding against other people, but there will be lots of bidders on this car. So, so that's the, that's the biggie and, and me coming, you know, we could talk all day, like 3,500 cars on the last I saw it was about 3,500 cars on their menu. So we, we're going to move on now to Arizona. I've got phones ringing in my background here. The joys of working at home. I'm going to The joys of doing a podcast at home. You're familiar with that, Angelo. Yes. Uh, Dogs barking. <laughs> well, let, let's just talk about now you've been out to Arizona during during this crazy time uh, with, when all the auctions are going on. What what's the scene like? And if somebody asks you for some advice on how to go out and kind of take this all in, what are you going to tell them? Uh, make sure you rent a convertible, especially if you come from cold weather so you can enjoy the sun. <laughs> it gets <laughs> I did. And I got lucky. I didn't pick one, but they gave me one. So I took it as a sign and uh, I was still a little chilly to put the top down most of the time, but I did try it out. Um, yeah. Just get your, get your media credentials early, cruise through the cars that you're might be interested in. Um, contact the auction companies. If there's something that you're falling in love with on your computer screen and uh, that you really want, make sure you do your research beforehand. Um, you know, call the auction company, get the details on the car, see if you got if they've got restoration pictures, what kind of documents they've got on the car, what the history of the car is, um, and if it's a car that has, uh, you know, folks that research these cars, clubs that are based on them, um, contact the clubs. There are people who will know these cars and can tell you everything you need to know about them that maybe the auction company doesn't know because they're dealing with hundreds of cars, thousands of cars. They don't necessarily know all the details. And it's really up to you to take a look at the history of the car, the background of the car and the car itself before you go spending your hard earned bucks on it. So, you know, if it's a Duesenberg and there's a bunch for sale, call up the ACD club, um, call up Randy Ema, get his information from the club say, you know, what do you know about this car? What's its story? Um, he could tell you where the bumpers came from. You know, there are guys like that for all these cars. Sure. Uh, Meekum's got the 57 Corvette Super Sport show car up there. You know, contact the NCRS, find out what you can about the background of the car. Um, Google the snot out of it. Uh, call Meekum, find out what they know. Um, as a headline car, they'll probably know more about this car than they will the others, but they probably still won't know the full story because they've got 3,500 cars to sell. So do your homework, um, crawl underneath the car, inside the car, look for signs of body work, um, you know, see if you can hear it run, find out if the engine matches, if that's a big deal to you and the value of the car. 
So there's a lot of legwork to be done before you go um, getting your bidder number. But if you're you fall in love with something, get your bidders pass, uh, your bidders credentials, get all signed up, contact your bank. Uh, you know, each auction company will tell you what you need to do in order to become a credentialed bidder. And a lot of times you'll need the same stuff. So if you get it once, you could just submit it to all the, the auction companies. But, you know, if you want to be a wise collector, don't just show up at an auction, have a few too many drinks and say, oh, that's a shiny red. I'll bid on that. You know, definitely go in there with your hit list. You know, I want a, I want a 57 Plymouth Fury and so-and-so's got one. I'm going to go bid on that car. And if I don't get it, I'll bid on this car over at the Meg auction or this car over at Russo and Steel or that one at RM, uh, this one at Barrett Jackson, that other one at Worldwide. You know, so definitely go in with the plan. Um, and if you go in with the plan and you do your research beforehand on the cars you're interested in, you're going to end up being much happier after the gavel falls because you'll know what you bought. No. Definitely set a budget too. You know, do your research on what the car's worth. I mean, a lot of people like, yeah, I probably paid too much. And sometimes that sours them on a car. You know, everybody, including the auction company, wants you to be happy with your purchase because then you'll come back or if you decide to change cars, you'll go back to that auction company. Everybody wants you to be happy. So make sure you do your own work to make sure you are happy. What, what two-part question here, Ange. What, what trends will you be looking for in this in this particular Arizona auction, or I guess January auction month, what what have you noticed in recent years that has been particularly interesting as far as buying and selling trends? I know we talk a lot about trucks. We talk a lot about 80s cars, more current cars, obviously getting hot, which is understandable. People have nostalgia for a lot of this stuff. What are the trends you've noticed? And what kind of trends are you going to be interested to kind of watch for this time around? Um, you know, I'm really, the things I like to look at right now, um, because, and I like to look at them because it seems to affect what we do with the price guide, but, um, you know, how are low mileage originals, you know, are they, are they still gaining traction on number one restored cars? You know, for a long time, everybody wanted a, a perfect, you know, piece for their shelf that was shiny top and bottom. A lot of times they didn't necessarily care if it was the right kind of shiny. And by that, I mean, you know, was it authentically restored as long as somebody sprayed gloss black on everything underneath. And, um, you know, they were happy with that and they considered it number one. Um, are we, are we seeing that trend continue where low mileage originals that maybe have a few bumps, bruises, scratches, but are, are really nice, still five, 10 foot cars that have the original paint and chrome upholstery. Are we, are we seeing them getting number one prices or more than number one prices? Um, is, is that still a trend? Is that still happening? Um, and then, you know, those seventies and eighties cars, especially oddballs like Vegas and um, you know, just things that 75 old 98 Regency coupes, you know, stuff like that, that people just turn their nose up at and said, you know, that's a, that's a ship anchor. Um, you know, are they, are they still getting good money? So we're going to take a look at those because the, the cars that we've been looking at and we do still look at are the classics. You know, there's a lot of classics for sale at all these sales, Duesenberg's, a Delahaye here, a Delage there, um, V16 Cadillac, 
you know, we still like to see those because those have been popular for so long that they are a harbinger of, of what's going on. You know, are those prices going up? Are they stable? Are they going down? Tells us about who's collecting and what they're collecting. Um, those are kind of so, the blue chip stocks. You know, those are the IBMs of the, of the car collecting world, right? I mean, those are kind yeah. of... And looking at the other side of the world, we're going to look at the post-war exotics. You know, how are the Porsches doing? How are the Ferraris doing? Um, you know, if are those things getting record prices? Are the prices a little down? Are they a little up? You know, so we'll look at those because those kind of form the baseline. Those pre-war classics, um, the 50s, American 50s cars, early 60s cars, and then the the exotics. Those are kind of the baseline for the hobby and everything else we would expect to see more movement and more trends, um, you know, more surprise trends, I should say. But if we're seeing all of those um, exotics going up and classics going up, it tells us the hobby as a whole is either getting more people um, involved in it, um, you know, and, and that's really the big thing, are more people getting involved, not just necessarily spending more money, because, you know, people, established collectors are going to keep the hobby pretty stable. It's when you start getting new collectors in the hobby that you start to see more competition and then the price is going up. So that's why we, we really look at if the prices are going down. Now, if the price or the prices are going up. Now, if the price is going down, it tells us that there's fewer people in the hobby because there's less competition for cars. So that's why we look at the baseline um, to kind of give us that general sense of what's going on in the hobby. Got any cars? Well, I know this is a loaded question now. Sorry, Inch. No, you got to limit it to a small handful here. Time, time <laughs> sensitive. All right. I know you, you're less than after some out here. You probably can't help yourself. What, what would be at the top of your wish list out here? What are some of the, what are some of the cars? Maybe not you're less than after, but that you're really interested to see how they do. Well, the Hero Hot, of course, but I'll move on from that and say the uh, Mikup Kissimmee's got a 70 Hemi Cuda convertible automatic car. Um, you know, that's looking to get 2 million plus is the pre-sale estimate. And, uh, you know, we've seen those sell for three, four, five million in the past. So two is a little soft compared to, uh, and maybe conservative compared to what they've sold for in the past. Um, it is an automatic car and at least online, there's no mention of numbers matching. And that might be why they've got the, um, reserve or the, I'm sorry, pre-sale estimate a little bit lower. But, um, you know, it's still an original Hemi Cuda convertible, and they didn't make many of those. So I'm, I'm looking at that car to see what it does. Um, swinging over to Barrett Jackson, uh, we've got a longtime reader. Um, when he bought his 87 Buick Grand National and watched it go down the assembly line as the last Grand National ever built, um, he wrote it up in old cars. He's had the car ever since. It's been parked in his living room, has less than 50 miles on it. He parked it in his living room? I forgot that part of the park, story. Yeah, parked in his living room, um, <laughs> hid Christmas presents in the trunk of it. <laughs> I forgot and, that part. Oh. Yeah, so he, this car is uber documented by GM, um, the reader, old cars. Um, it's documented everywhere. It's had a documentary done about it or it's been featured in a documentary so we're looking to see grand national prices have been really strong especially gnx's so we're looking to see if this gets how far into six figures you know 150 200 250 who knows last grand national just very few miles super documented 
Um, you know, GM knows this car. They remember this car. It's an important car. So I'm looking to see what that Grand National does. Over at Worldwide, they've got a 32 Imperial uh, convertible coupe. It was the first car bodied by Bowman and Schwartz, which was a successor to the Walter M. Murphy body company in Pasadena. Um, some of their employees went over and started Bowman and Schwartz. Uh, Bowman and Schwartz is known for really, you know, sexy looking convertible coupes. A 32 Chrysler Imperial is a sexy looking car. You put the two together and this thing's just drop dead hot. That's over at Worldwide Auctioneer. So I'm looking at that. Um, they've got a 29 Duesenberg sedan. Um, also bodied by Bowman and Schwartz later in the 30s. Um, I know this car, um, a reader of old cars. His wife uses a daily driver in the 50s, and um, her husband restored Duesenbergs for himself and for famous Duesenberg collector Homer Fiddling, who had over a dozen or so of them. Um, she always said that this was the best driving Duesenberg she was ever in. So um, I know this is a good car and I'm hoping to see if it gets appreciated. Um, that's kind of on my hit list, what I'm watching for. RM Sotheby's has a V16 Cadillac, um, a Duesenberg Durham Tourster mixed in with their, you know, assortment of exotics, um, you know, early and in, in later post-war exotic cars with Mercedes and Ferrari and Porsche and all that. So we're, I'll be looking at a lot of those cars from there. Russo's got a lot of Mustangs, performance cars. Um, I kind of want to see, they've got the first 2019 Bullet Mustang, and I'd like to see what that sells for, because Bullet Mustangs have been hot. They got hotter after the original Bullet Mustang sold at Mecham a couple years back for $3 million. So then the, uh, you know, the, the later post-2000 Bullet Mustang editions went pretty crazy too after that. So I want to see if that trend keeps up. Those Bullet Mustangs are hot. Uh, Meg's got a 60 Ford Sunliner convertible. I love hor I love fins. Um, I love horizontal fins like on a 60 Ford. That's a car that I'd, I'd like to have. So uh, that or Starliner, but they've got a, a Sunliner version, the convertible version. I want to see what that does over at Meg. And uh, interestingly enough, Bonhams has Dustin Hoffman's 49 Buick Roadmaster convertible. And of course, Dustin Hoffman and the movie Rain Man made those 49 Roadmasters kind of more, they're already great cars and Buick people knew it, but then they were really a good introduction to the hobby for a lot of people. And just people who thought that's a really cool car after seeing it on the screen went out and looked for 49 Buicks or just became generally introduced to the hobby. So those cars tend to be, um, you know, pretty, pretty hot and have quite a following already. But when you got Dustin Hoffman from Rain Man selling a 49 Buick Roadmaster convertible, um, that's known as the Rain Man car. That could be an interesting recipe for um, some pretty hot bidding. And then Bombs also has a Yanko Deuce Nova with the small block LT1, just hot little cars. Um, I, I'm interested to see what that does. It might be a little bit of a harbinger for you know where muscle cars are headed when you combine its sale with some of those that'll be at Meekum and um, Barrett Jackson, some of the other auctions. So those are the hot ones I'm looking at. Oh, now, I'll, if you give me the choice, Angie, I think I'm going to take that Corvette Supersport show car that the yeah. uh, me is going to sell. But if you, okay, and you can't pick the hero how to merc now, that's off. That's off the table. You can't pick the. <laughs> so, what, uh, what, uh, what's your dream car out of the whole Arizona menu here? What, uh, what's the one at the top of your list? I do like that Corvette Supersport. That thing oh, is. Oh, we got a tie. 
but I wouldn't want to be bidding against you. So I'm going to pick <laughs> something else. And I got to tell you, I mean, this shows like my variety of, of interest in cars, but I love 80s GM cars. I love Buick Grand Nationals. Back in the 90s and early 2000s, when you could get them cheap, my winter beaters, every fall, I'd buy a $600 Olds Cutlass, you know, a Monte Carlo, Chevy Monte Carlo from the 80s, or a Buick Regal from the 80s, or a Pontiac Grand Prix from the 80s. And I just, they're such a great size, a great car. And of course, of all of those, the, those GM G bodies from the 80s, the Grand National, of course, is the hottest. So, um, but I, that's the thing is that thing only has 32 miles and I don't need another knickknack. So I'd be looking to drive. And if I was looking to drive, I'd bid on either that 32 Chrysler Imperial Bowman and Schwartz at worldwide, or their 29 Duesenberg Bowman and Schwartz sedan. Those are the, there's a tie right there. Everybody says how nice those 32 Chryslers, early thirties Chryslers in general, just how nice they drive. And a lot of people who like them say Duesenbergs drive like trucks, which isn't fair because a properly set up Duesenberg will drive just as nice as a Chrysler. The Duesenberg people tell me, and I have driven Duesenbergs and they don't drive like trucks, but uh, yeah, it's a, it's a coin flip. If I got outbid on, on the Imperial, then I'd go for the Bowman and Schwartz Duesenberg sedan. There's, there he goes showing his Duesenberg bias again. Yeah. You know, once you get that taste, it's hard to shake it. <laughs> All right. Hey, a reminder, you can keep an eye on the Old Cars Facebook page for some of the results and the big individual happenings uh, later this month out in Arizona and in Florida, too. And um, and then keep an eye on the, the print publication. We'll have a big wrap up of stories, uh, a lot of covering a lot of the, the sales and results from the sales and the highlights. So keep an eye on the on uh, Old Cars Weekly in the weeks that follow uh, all these sales. And thanks again, Ansh. Um, let's do it again. Hey, how about for Pebble Beach Week? It's only what? Eight months away. We'll do it again. Yeah, it'll be nice and sunny here. And well, and sunny in California too, right? That's what the mamas and papas said. So <laughs> let's do it again. All right. All right. Thanks, man, for your time. That's going to do it for this episode of our podcast. And a reminder to check us out at www.oldcarsweekly.com and on our Facebook and uh, Facebook page and other social media outlets. Make sure to sign up for our free weekly e-newsletter. Keep up with uh, everything that's happening with Old Cars um, if you're not a subscriber to Old Cars, we'd love to have you on board. I'm Brian Ernest for the folks at uh, Old Cars headquarters in Wisconsin. Thanks for joining us on Rolling with Old Cars.